I'm kind of chaotic this morning. Um, I've got so much stirring that I really don't know which way to go. Um, so we're just going to go. Um, I don't know where we'll end up. Or I, I know I feel his presence, his sweet presence this morning. Just all about his presence. Um, I got up at 4 o'clock this morning just to get before the Lord to find out, you know, what to, what to speak this morning. I had so many different things just stirring within me. And Hunter and Cody was still up playing games, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then Hunter's like, Padre, you got it? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I just, you know, I just got so much stirring in me, some good stuff, and... um I'll just start off with a story. Last night I was giving Elijah a bath, and for y'all that don't know, he's our three-year-old, <laughs> fixing, fixing to be three next weekend, and he's, he's standing up in the tub, and he looks at me, and he says, I'm strong, and you don't tell me what to do. I'm like, okay. And, but what he was saying is he was saying he's strong, and he's a big boy, and he doesn't have to listen to dad as much. And I'm like, well, Hunter listens to me, and Cody listens to me, and they're big boys. And um, But he's like, but I'm strong, dad. And it just, I guess God quickened within me right then that I can remember times in my life that I felt so strong. You know, been through the spirit-led classes, been through the Bible training, been through the... Um, charismatic word of faith, just energized um, training. I mean, just ready for the world, ready for ministry, ready for everything. And I find my, I find myself this morning needing more today than I ever needed him. And even to stand up before you, I take it with trembling, just with the words that I share. And it, I take responsibility in it. And um. It's when we're weak that he becomes strong in us. And regardless of our abilities and our strengths and everything else, without him, without his presence, we're nothing. And it, and it means nothing. Um, I'll also tell you a story. Brandy, my wife, has battled, I guess since Hannah was born, panic attacks. And I wasn't too sympathetic in that. Um, didn't understand it, you know. We, she even drinks the um, what is it? Grapefruit juice, and we call it the Shelby juice. And we get it from Steel Magnolias, and Shelby in the movie had to drink Shelby juice. So, anyway, orange juice, whatever. But um, so when she faces this and. She gets up and she gets in the Word and, and she strengthens herself in faith and before the Lord and, and she also sips on this juice. Well, I've had a hard time understanding that and haven't been too sympathetic. Well, Friday I went for an MRI. Has anybody ever done an MRI? An enclosed one? Big, big boys don't fit in there too well. And... um. I was all right. They said 20 minutes, and when he told me 20 minutes in that thing, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. 
So anyway, he uh, covered me with some towels. We went through that thing, and I'm sitting in there. I start to, I close my eyes. I'm starting to pray, and got earplugs in, and I'm good until that thing started making some real loud noises. Do 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 do. I mean, it's if you've never experienced it, you don't want to, especially if you're claustrophobic. And um, I didn't realize how claustrophobic I was until then. But um, ten minutes into it, I began to get hot. And um, I, I panicked. I mean, I, I, was, I started yelling at the guy. You got a little speaker about that far from your face, and you can talk to the guy that's running the machine. And I'm like, hey. And he's not saying nothing back. I'm like, hey. <laughs> Finally, I'm screaming at him at the top of my lungs, get me out of here now. I was fixing to tear his MRI up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I had a major panic attack, and um, even when I got out of the Walking out of the hospital, I mean, my head is spinning. I'm lightheaded. I'm, I'm just freaking out. And um, she, Brandy said, you need some Shelby juice. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I still didn't want to admit it. You know, I still didn't want to admit I couldn't handle that thing. And, um, but I couldn't. And in Ephesians, it talks about Jesus being our high priest. And he's not a high priest that doesn't know what we go through and what we feel. And it says that even the very things he went through and even suffered brought him into the obedience to where he walked in his life. And, you know, it takes um, going through some things. I understand what she goes through. You know, if you've ever lost your business or lost your house or vehicles, your job, you have compassion. You know, Jesus, everything Jesus did, he ministered out of love and his compassion. Now, I don't think we have to just face everything. and I don't think you have to face drug addiction to be able to minister to those that are on drugs. But there's got to be something in you that develops compassion where we reach out in a love and in a sincerity to minister wholeness. And... I, I think I can handle ministering to somebody about a panic attack now. Um, it, it really rocked my world. Um, it, it took me through almost yesterday about 6 or 7 o'clock to even get my head straight. Um, anyway. Hmm. See, I haven't even started yet, to be honest with you. I want to release something to you this morning. Um, I release it to our teens from time to time. They'll, they'll probably get tired of hearing it. So they're back there thinking, oh, man. But what I release to them is the book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that doesn't have a closing. In other words, it doesn't say amen. It doesn't so, say so be it. And it doesn't just bring it to a close. And the reason it doesn't is because the book of Acts is still being written today. The Acts of the Church. And there's a song out, and I'm not, dis- I'm not disrespecting the song, but the song goes, these are the days of Elijah. These are the days of so-and-so. How's the song go? I'm not... Okay, preparing the way of... And, and I believe that there's a spirit of Elijah in the earth preparing and crying out, preparing the way of the Lord in the second coming. But these aren't the days of Elijah. These aren't the days of Moses. These aren't the days of Noah. 
These are the days of Jay. These are the days of Kim. And these are the days of Cody and Hunter. And these are the days of Jim and Kaylin and Perry. These are your days. These are our days. And the book of Acts is still being written. And these are our days. Our days. And they're still, just like John the Baptist, that said, do we look for another? Or is he the one? Once again, the report will be, tell them, or tell them, that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. These are your days. These are my days. Now, probably a little over a month ago, I had a good friend speak some life to me. And um, told me to come out of, you know, Quit holding back. Quit holding back. Come out of hiding. Aaron Evan walked through here, I guess, three years ago. And I was wearing a hat, and I was sitting back in the back. And he's like, and he's fixing, he's closing, he's walking out. And he says, come out, come out from under the hat. And he begins to just speak some things to me. And my spirit just jumped within me. And to be honest with you, and just really transparent, I've been hiding and been holding back. And a lot of my hiding has been through details of the church and making sure things are running or um, I hide through the teams. You know, because that's that's comfort for me. And I'm I'm just done holding. Holding back, I'm done. Um, And... The thing about it is, is I came to the teens a little over a month ago, and I was empty, I'm dry. I hadn't been in his presence so long that I had nothing else to give him. And I told him that things were fixing to shift and things were fixing to change. And on Friday nights when I come in, you know, you belong to your mom and dad, and, you know, we'll all group, you know, all together, kind of police y'all, but when it comes to Friday nights, when it comes to Sunday, I'm coming in to worship. I'm coming in to get a hold of him because something in my life was missing, and it just was him. You know, I, I, I get in the Word and do the devotion and go through the routine, but I was just dry. You know, you can be so caught up in the routine of um, ministry or that you just lose sight of who he is and the reality of how much you need him. So things changed for me and my life changed drastically. And I just determined within my heart I was going to burn for Jesus. After all, you know, that's what the kids need. That's what they need.
I don't need a, a, a great teaching or some kind of revelation that just sets them on edge and says, oh, man. You know, we all come in here from time to time with our grading cards of the speaker of, oh, that was anointed or that wasn't anointed. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we judge, you know, whether it was a good message, whether it was a bad message, and we're sitting here with our, our little scorecards, anointed, not anointed. And when a man and woman stands up before you and shares their heart and their life and the Word of God, it's anointed regardless. Does it set you on edge? Does it give you some powerful revelation? Not all the time. But the compassion and love that they spread and open up to you with transparency should change and impact your life. We need to throw our scorecards away. And if nothing else, if they don't come up here and have something of him to impart to you, it's all, we're all, we might as well all go home. <clears throat> so anyway, our Wednesday nights are, we started, we were meeting with the teens on Tuesday nights and we changed it to Wednesday night and we decided to worship the Lord. And... um start out in worship, and we get before him, and man, the first night was just awesome and uncomfortable, and you know, any kind of change is just, ugh, you know, it just doesn't feel well, um, but we pushed on through it, got into his presence, the second time, you know, we came in, was a little more determined, and it was a little more uncomfortable, and you know, we, we still contended for his presence, and what ended up happening is all the kids began to get up here and beat on drums chaotically. And somehow, I don't know how God honored that, but he did. And it broke into his presence. And I mean, we had kids dancing and running. And, um, and kids that you've never seen do that, that completely seems to be out of character. But they're, see, the, the problem with it is they're hiding and they're holding back what's stirring within them and they just need an excuse for somebody to get close close enough to them with a burn or a fire that'll set them ablaze just get them close enough to the presence of the lord and and the lord will just begin to move and do something within their heart and that's that's all they need so our wednesday nights have changed to just seeking his presence and just wanting wanting him and what we're seeing is we're seeing a transformation of people. We're seeing a transformation of my life. My life's not the same at home. And things have, things have shifted. Um, you know, the, I think the biggest thing we get caught up in, or, or maybe I do, and I think some of y'all may also, um, in Genesis chapter 3, Monica asked me if I was going to open the word and so the answer is yes Genesis chapter 3 now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made and he Satan said to the woman can it really be that God has said you shall eat you shall not eat from every tree of the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. And when the woman saw the tree was good for, and suitable and pleasant for food and that it was delightful to, the, to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave some also to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons like girdles. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not? And the man said, The woman who you gave to me, she gave me the fruit and the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. The thing that speaks out to me in this is before they chose to eat the fruit, they were clothed in his righteousness. They were clothed in the glory of God. And when they stepped out of that, they found themselves naked and they became very, they, they just became focused, instead of on God, they, they became focused on self and became self-centered. And in that self-centeredness, they begin to look at their condition. And they begin to, they begin to hide themselves from the Lord in His presence. It's when we continually focus on our condition. Continually focus on our condition. Our mistakes, our sin, our not measuring up. We find ourselves hiding from the presence of the Lord. And I, I, I just believe the Lord is speaking and saying, where are you? Where are you? Whether it's something we're facing in circumstances and we end up mad with God because something hasn't worked out the way it's supposed to or whether it's just something in our lives, but everything is just still centered and focused around self. And every time we get focused in our circumstances, somehow we begin to hide ourselves and distance ourselves. Now, religion has taught us that you have to repent and you have to get right to come to God. And when you accept Christ, that's true. I mean, you, you repent, you accept Christ, and he comes in your heart, and he lives within you. But for the believer, and I'm speaking to the believer, when it comes to your mistakes, God does not hide himself from you. 
It's religion that's taught us that God begins to turn away. And, and listen, we were messed up when, we, when, when he drawed us in and, and he saved us. We were messed up then. What makes us think that we got on some other than his righteousness? What makes us think that we ever became acceptable in our own selves? What makes us think that? It's, now, I don't know where it is. There used to be a red sheet in here. That'll work. Guys, it's, it's by his blood, or it's not. And, you know, it's amazing how when everything feels right, and everything feels in order to me, how I, I come boldly to approach him. But when I begin to think, see things out of whack and things begin to be magnified in my life that's still not pleasing to the Lord and how I begin to back up from his presence. And it's either we're under the blood or we're not. We're not in and we're out. We're in and we're out. We're either under the blood, under the blood, or we're not. And it's by the blood of the Lamb that we come boldly into His throne, into His presence, into His grace. It's by His blood that we stand. I know that's elementary. How, how's Sherlock say it? Elementary, my Watson. But, um, dear Watson, that's it. It's elementary. But I don't think we have a hold of it. Because even when it comes to laying hands on the sick, or casting the enemy out, or believing for healing, or speaking life to somebody, the first thing we look at is the condition of ourself. So it's either we're under the blood or we're not. You know the most idiotic thing I've ever been told in my life um, was it's crazy because it was actually a, the, my first pastor and his wife led me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, sowed more life into me probably more than anybody I, that I know in my life. But um, when I got saved, I was battling drugs and alcohol. I mean, bad. Um, was I would walk with the Lord good until I dealt with or had a circumstance in my life that was devastating to me, and I had no idea how to trust the Lord in a situation of how I was feeling. Whether it was, you know, there's no telling what it was, but I would lean and go back to drug abuse or and medicate pain. And I remember the um, I was struggling with it and. I had went to a bar and I mean got smashed and ended up in um, one of the guys that I ushered with in his front yard and um, passed out. And the pastor ministered to me the next day and he said, you know, now th- these are the same people that told me that God would never leave me nor forsake me. Stick with me closer than a brother. But at the same time he told me that when I was sitting in the bar that the Holy Spirit couldn't hang out with me while I was 
you know, indulging in myself. But what it, what it did is it, I didn't realize the religious mindset that it put on me. And what it did is it made me performance-oriented. And it's not about our performance. And either we're going to walk in all that he's purchased and all that he's done and all that his presence brings or we're not. And we've got to remember that it's by his blood. It's by his blood. By his blood. By his blood. You know, Paul even said that, he said, you know, how did he put it? The more I try not to covet, it quickens the sin of law within me and and actually stirs up more coveting. And it's not trying to whack off the bad fruit that we need to be focused on. I don't think God is as focused on our sin problem as we are. I think he's more focused on his presence. And if we'll just get to the presence, his presence, it'll take care of the bad fruit. And um, the other crazy thing is clean ourselves up to get to God. How crazy is that? And where do you find true repentance anyway? The same place you found it from the day one when you were in his presence, heard him call your name, and you said, yes, Jesus. So the only way I get garbage out of my life is get closer to him. And if we don't get past the damn curse of seeing our condition and drawing away from him. You know what I've done? I mean, I tell you, it's changing my life because I still see some garbage in my life. But instead of backing up, I'm running closer to him because I know the only way it's coming out is by him. So why in the world when we have stuff messed up in us, do we draw away and think we're not pleasing to him? We're pleasing Oh, how he loves us. He, he really does. The problem with it is we've had a hard time grabbing a hold of that. We've got kids walking in, and we're going to have some really strange kids coming in soon that really not going to have an understanding of a father's love. And we're seeing it more and more, but we're going to have it here greatly. Greatly. How do we expect them to get it if we don't? It's all about your presence, Lord. It's really all about your presence. <laughs> you know, I used to stretch all my faith out to stay free from drugs and alcohol. I mean, true addiction. And now I find <laughs> it's amazing how the days change because now I stretch all my faith out to get up out of the bed in the morning <laughs> because my body aches and has pains in places that, Wow. I mean, it's just amazing how your faith shifts. <laughs> and, you know, I'm believing God to redeem my mornings. I'm, I'm a morning person, or used to be a morning person. And haven't liked mornings too much because when I get up, I hurt. And um, so I'm contending for that. Now, some of that, and I'll just speak it, because some of that I believe that God places that in our own ability. Part of that is I, I feel like I need to lose some weight to help my body physically and there's things that we need to take responsibility that's in the natural that affects us in the spiritual and see if the enemy can keep us out down physically he can keep us from doing what god's called us to do and um anyway that's extra psalms 27 verse 4 
And David writes, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in His presence all the days of my life, to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and the delightful loveliness of the Lord, and to meditate, consider, and inquire in His temple. You know, I, everything will try to distract you from His presence. And God is stirring us with His love in the last few months, a love throughout the body. He's stirring us in, in just getting our attention again and saying, hey, hey, here I am, and come to me. And the enemy does everything he can to distract you from the attractiveness of his presence. We had um, a full day one Monday, and we got home late that Monday evening. And <clears throat> I mean, prior to that, we've had some good worship sort services. I had been coming in and getting in the presence of the Lord, had some friends speak some life to me and things just really beginning to change um the heart of the lord just really beginning to stir and burn within me and i mean just really sensing his presence in in the awareness of who he was in my daily walk not in just corporate worship but just every just daily and just acknowledging him and we got home that monday evening and we got a letter in the mail and I opened it. And fear just grabbed my heart. It's amazing how long the ways of your yesterday will crash on your seas of your shores of today. And you know, I have to still ask myself, it's a daily question to me, is the Lord good? And I wake up this morning, I said, yes, God's good. Now, it was engrafted within me, dwelt, drilled within me that, I mean, the, the, the first preacher I ever sat under, every message was, God is a good God, God is a good God. But it's been challenged in me in the past few years. Is God still good? Does he still want good for me? And the answer is yes. But it's a, it's a decision I make every day. Is God still good? Is he for me? And is he bigger than my past? Is he bigger than any mistake I've ever made? Now, he was bigger than drug addiction. He was bigger than crack cocaine. He was bigger than meth addiction. He was bigger. And he's even been bigger than anything I've ever lost. But this letter grabbed my heart, and I heard death speak loud and clear. I heard death to finances. I heard death to future. I heard death to ministry. And I called Brandy in there, and I was like, man, this thing is devastating me.
I'm like, I'm going to bed. So I was heading to bed, and I heard the Lord speak loud as clear. And this is what I heard him say. I heard him say, and the viper latched on to Paul. I'm like, so this is just stirring in my spirit all night. And I was, you know, just devastated. So the next morning I get up, and I'm like, Lord, the, the viper latched on to Paul. In Acts chapter 28, Paul was, just went through a, some shipwreck problems and ends up on an island. Huh. Let me even back up a little bit. Two weeks prior, I spoke to the team sitting here, and what I seen in my spirit was kindling. If you've ever watched the Survivor um, on Discovery Channel, these guys, you know, dropped off in the middle of nowhere and they have to survive. And but anyway, what I seen was them pulling kindling out of the bark of the tree and just tearing it up and makes a real mesh kindling. And I seen our youth group sitting there as kindling, and I could see the spark beginning to to hit. And we're, we're kindling. We're just waiting for the spark of the Lord to set us afire and set us ablaze. And I released that to them. And the exact thing that the Lord took me to when the enemy came and said death to, to everything is he took me to where Paul was soaked by the rain. Now we pray for the rain. We're praying for the rain. The saturation of his presence. We're praying for that. And he's saturated. And they begin to start a fire. And he's picking up kindling to lay on the fire. And as the heat grew. Now see, I always thought it was as he was picking up sticks, he grabbed hold of the serpent. No, it was as he was laying the sticks on the fire, the heat caused the enemy to come out and latch hold. And it said he shook him off, and it shook him off into the fire. And what I heard the Lord say is that there was distractions. See, even that letter for me that spoke death to me was distraction off his presence. And there's so many things that you're facing or we're facing that is distractions. It may be good things that look good. It may be things that are happening that are bad, but it's still distractions. You know, building a new house can be a distraction. Um, having where to shake off the distraction? Shake off the distraction. What's a distraction? You know. Um, being a church. And what I mean by that is the details of operating as a body, taking care of the details and getting caught up in the aggravation and frustration of dealing with each other can be a distraction because offense enters in and it's a distraction. We're so different and it becomes a distraction. And even dealing with ministry and wanting the heart of God to go forth, somehow we end up getting caught up in aggravation and frustration and offense.
and it distracts from his presence. But it's only when the heat began to turn up that the enemy came out and latched hold. And they expected him to die. And the spectators say there was death coming to Paul. Death coming to Paul. And he just shook it off and focused. You know, it's crazy to me how in the wilderness the serpents were biting. And he said, if you look to the serpent on the pole, which represented Christ conquering the earth, conquering death to begin with. If you'll look to it, you'll receive your healing. It was to, the, the bite and the wound was the distraction. What is your wound? What is your distraction? For me, part of my distraction was the, you know, I've been probably through the three church splits. And, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, my first church split, and I said, no, I don't mean like, that's sad. But been through three of them, <laughs> and um, especially when you have to say your first one. And um, I don't know why, God. I mean, four months after being saved, God set me right in the middle, middle of leadership and elders and deacons and pastors and strong relationships, and I seen the good, bad, and ugly. Learned a lot real quick and too soon, but um, that's just where I was and what God prepared me for but um, the la- and I didn't realize it but the last hurt in a church that I had was being attacked from speaking and some of the last things I said and I had built walls to hide from here because after all, I convinced myself with the lies of the enemy that people really didn't, have, didn't want to hear what I had to say. And after all, when I came to this church, and it was so much different. So much different than anything I'd ever seen or ever been used to. What else? What, and the lies. Now, the lies. What could I ever impart to them? So I hid, and I built walls, still wanting to follow God, still wanting to, to do what God's called me to do, get in where God placed me here was in youth ministry. So I hid myself in them and hid myself in details. And I found myself not even doing what God's placed me here to do, and that's to impart life. Not because... I'm anything but because he's placing stuff in me. And either I'm going to do what pleases the Father or I'm not. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14, it says, Many members, but one body. Many members, but one body. And it's God who has placed each member, each member in the body as it's pleased him. As it's pleased him. Not as it's pleased you, but as it's pleased him. And that I can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. 
or the hand to the foot, I have no need of you. Where would the hearing be? Where would the seeing be? How would you walk? God's placed every member in the body as it's pleased Him. There's more hiding and there's more holding back than me. Come out. Come out. I speak to the hand today. and the ear, and the kidneys, and the lungs. I I just declare, take your place. Take your place. Take your place. And don't hold back. Don't know what your hurt is. Don't know what your walls are that you've built. But I speak to the walls and I shout, come down, come down. You know, it's amazing when something is out of whack in your body whether it's your back or your feet, good Lord, especially your feet. But when something's out of whack in your body, everything you do is a struggle. I believe to a degree, and you'll, you'll just have to test it before the Lord, I believe our, our body is in a struggle. Because people haven't taken their place. I don't know, maybe it's maybe your hurt has come from somebody in this church. Maybe you're offended now. Not that it, not that your hurt isn't important, but we've got to get past our hurt. The picture's bigger than us, and until we come into the place and in our right setting within the body, as it's pleased Him, the body won't be whole, and the ministry will always struggle. We need you. I need you, and whether you like it or not, you need me. You know, um, we need each other. You know, I, when we first came here, I, I heard it said that, you know, we do our best not to hurt. Like you've been hurt in other places. Can I just tell you that's a misconception? It really is. 
Have you ever been around family that didn't hurt your feelings or hurt you sometime? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to justify us anybody's wrong actions. But if we're around each other long enough, we're going to hurt each other. Looking for a church that never hurts you, you'll never find one. <laughs> I remember after my first church split, <laughs> I went to the, I told the Lord, I said, I'll never step foot in another church. I'll never step foot in another church. A year later, my life was falling apart, and I was like, okay, God, what church you want me in? So I went to a church, and the first thing I did is I sat down with the pastor, and I said, all right, show me your bylaws. I wanted to guard myself. <laughs> so show me how this thing functions. Show me how it's governed, and uh, show me what you have in place so I can protect myself. I mean, I was self-preservation. I mean, we all it all kicks in. But I began to build walls, and um, I didn't get hurt at that church, but I went back to another church and got hurt there good. But um, we cannot, we're not going to be protected. I wish I could stand here and give you a shouting, hallelujah, God's going to keep you from receiving any more damage, any more hurt from ever being offended but as long as you're around people you're going to be offended and you're going to be hurt the question is are we going to allow that hurt that's been created by other people create our world when God has such a bigger world in store You know, it's amazing to me, too, how in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 12, it talks about the nine spiritual gifts. And then it begins to talk about each member in the body and taking their place and how significant each person is. You know, it's, it talks about the ones that aren't seen but are very significant. You can't see my kidneys. You can't see the sound men. But without the sound men and taking care of the lights and taking care of the sound, things would be out of whack. And it's hard to get where we're going. But it, it's like God brings order and he begins to show the gifts of God, and he shows the importance of every member within the body. And then what's he do? He takes you into love. Why? You better have chapter 13 going on, or you'll never get past chapter 12. And 
everything we do has got to come out of his presence. We'll never get along. We'll never get past the frustration, the aggravations. We'll never get past the offense without burning and having him burning within us. And if you're in his presence and it comes easy, then help somebody else get there. Help somebody else get there. You know, it, corporate worship brings us into an awesome manifestation of His presence. And it, it's just awesome. But it's when you get up and all things out of whack, your life's turned upside down, and your heart's crying out, where are you? God, you know, you're, it looks like your enemies are surrounding you. You just got to do like David did, and you got to begin to speak to yourself. You say, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I mean, he's being attacked by Saul, the one he served, and I mean... Got it rough, and he had to bless the Lord. He had to speak to his soul and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And the Bible says, "In He inhabits the praises of his people. And it says also that in his presence, in his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. And then it says, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as I as I don't go by how I feel, and as I make a choice to bless the Lord regardless, and I bless you, Lord, and I bless you, Lord, and I bless you, I will not be a circumstantial blesser. Only when things are good will I bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. I will set my eyes upon the hill from where my help comes from. I will bless you, Lord, when my life is all turned upside down. I will bless you, Lord, in my aches and my pains. I will bless you as I contend for my healing. Lord, I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. As finances say, there's no way. I will bless you. I will bless you. And His presence comes. And in His presence... And as he inhabits my praises, his joy comes. And as his joy comes, I'm strengthened. And as I'm strengthened, I face today and I stay focused on him. And Lord, I'll bless you. And Lord, I pray for the grace. I pray for the grace to come past my hurts. No, Lord, no longer just identify them, but I'm coming past them. 